More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to Survivor Sanctuary. I am Kelly, and today we are going to be figuring out together how one survives without Wi-Fi. So in a little bit of a conundrum at the time of the recording of this podcast, I have no Wi-Fi. My router decided to stop working, and so everything from researching for the show to accessing my notes from online, all everything I need is basically down. But through the magic of recording equipment, I can still record the podcast. It's just everything else is going to be a little bit more troublesome, if you will. And I kind of feel like Laura Ingalls right now, just, you know, back in the day when they basically had to sit in front of the fire and like whittle corn cobs. I don't know what they did, but they definitely didn't have any Wi-Fi and it didn't seem like life was quite as fun. I know everybody's saying we all need to you know, quit with the screen time, get our faces out of our phones, all that stuff. But can I just tell you, I have never experienced a dead silence like the dead silence that's going on in my home right now, except for every time the dogs bark. There's a lot of that going on too. But anyway, with or without internet, I am going to record this podcast and I am going to get it uploaded in time for the launch on, well, today, Wednesday. And if you're hearing the sound of my voice right now, all I can say is I was successful. Thank you, Lord. And no thanks to AT&T for saying that they can't come out for a couple of days to give us a new modem and we can't buy one from anywhere else. It is just fun times. Technology is amazing until you have to live without it for a day or two. And then you basically don't know what to do with yourself. And I have no TV right now either. I didn't mention that little part. I actually have Hulu Live instead of regular cable, and you need internet for that. So there's literally no TV. Try to use the DVD player. Like, maybe I can just have some noise of a DVD in the background. Nope, that doesn't work either. I I don't know why. I guess it just decided to break along with everything else, but that's all right. We're going to dive into today's episode, and I will get my brain off the fact that... I've practically been catapulted back into pioneer days uh, with the lack of technology happening right now. Well, today on the podcast, I want to talk about something that's been in the headlines, ripped from the headlines, law and order style, if you will. It is about the statute of limitations laws that have changed in several, well, I can't even say several, quite a few states, 15 to be exact, over the last couple of years, and what that means for the church. Now, the articles that I was reading over the last several days were about the Catholic Church and the fact that a new wave of sex abuse lawsuits is expected to hit the Catholic Church like never before. And I I read this story in AmericanMagazine.org, and I just want to read you a a little snippet of it. Not going to read much, but it says, a wave of new laws in 15 states that allow people to make claims of sexual abuse going back decades could bring a deluge of lawsuits against the Roman Catholic Church that could surpass anything seen so far in its clergy abuse crisis. Associated Press reporting found it could result in thousands of new cases against the church and more than $4 billion in payouts. Now, this is just 
the Catholic church that this article is referring to. But if you are a part of a Protestant church and you were abused in that church, as many listeners of Survivor Sanctuary were, you know that the problem is not just a Catholic problem. The problem has been going on in our churches for so long. And these new look-back laws and look-back windows, as they're called, are really going to help so many survivors of sexual abuse to finally receive some semblance of justice. So what is a look-back law? Well, it's basically an expansion of child sexual abuse laws. And since last year, 15 states and the District of Columbia have either extended or suspended the statute of limitations to allow child sex abuse claims stretching back decades. And eight states have created look-back windows that allow people to sue no matter how long ago the alleged abuse took place. So 15 states essentially have revised their laws over the last couple of years, and they've been extending the statute of limitations so that people can file child sex abuse claims that happened many, many years ago. And with the former statute of limitations laws, many survivors of sexual abuse were unable to do that. So I want to tell you a little bit about the states that have changed their laws, the statute of limitations laws to be exact, and then the window states. Those are eight states that are allowing look-back windows. It's allowing people to sue no matter how long ago the alleged abuse took place. They have a window of time to be able to sue under these new laws. So there are eight window states and 15 states in total that have expanded the sexual abuse statute of limitations. One is New York, and they opened up a one-year window this past August 14th that's going to allow people to file child sex abuse claims no matter how long ago they were abused. So it used to be 23. You had to file your claim by the age of 23, or you were time-barred, and that age is now 55, which I think is amazing. So I'm going to run through the rest of them really quickly. New Jersey opened up a two-year window this past December 1st, so just a few days ago. And after that two-year window ends, suits will be allowed until age 55, when previously in New Jersey, the statute of limitations expired at the age of 20. In California, they opened up a three-year window on January 1st this coming year. And triple damages if a cover-up is proven. So if somebody was sexually abused and then someone tried to cover it up, a church, an institution, an organization, wherever it happened, the victim could recover triple damages. And after that window closes, California is allowing suits for sexual abuse claims up to age 40, which uh, previously it was age 26. In Arizona, they're opening a 19-month window, and they actually opened it this past June. The statute of limitations is up to age 30 instead of 20. In Montana, they opened a one-year window on May 7th, and they're going to be allowing suits until age 27. That is just three years up from the previous law, which time-barred victims at age 24. In Hawaii, they have a look-back window that is open until this coming April of 2020. Vermont eliminated age limits this past May, and they have a window, a look-back window that never expires. Go Vermont. That's pretty amazing. North Carolina, they have a two-year window that opens up January 1st, and after that ends, suits are allowed up until age 28. It was 21 previously. Then finally, District of Columbia, they have a two-year look-back window that opened up in May, and after that, suits are allowed until age 40, which is up from the age of 25. Let me say a little something about the ages that the previous laws covered. I mean, 23 years old, um, even 30 years old. We have 24, 21, it's ridiculous. 
the age by which a victim is supposed to have come forward about sexual abuse. And the reason it's ridiculous, and so many people who are survivors of sexual abuse know this, is that it takes you well past the age of 21, a lot of times well past the age of 30, to realize you even have a problem associated with childhood sexual abuse. You may know there's a lot of stuff wrong with you. You may not know that it has to do with the fact that you were sexually abused. Now, not everyone walks around in a state of complete and utter oblivion, but our brains are really good at burying things down and trying to just keep everything under wraps and at bay so we don't have to think about it and that's how it protects us. And it isn't until a little bit later in life when we start dealing with some more complex life issues that we really start to see, wow, I'm really messed up from this. So it's unfair, and it has been unfair for so many years, states expecting victims of childhood sexual abuse to come forward about their abuse in their 20s, by the time they're 18 in some cases. It's just ridiculous, and a lot of states still have these laws on the books. But I got to give a shout out to these 15 states that have not only expanded the statute of limitations, but then the eight states that have that look back window. And we actually had a little conversation about this going recently in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. You know, I got to plug that uh, where we were talking about these look back windows. So if you're from one of those eight states that I mentioned that have those windows and you were previously time barred because of the statute of limitations against filing a claim, well, now you have those look back windows and some of them are closing in in a few months. Some of them are closing within a year and then there are a few that are going to go on for several years. But I would definitely look into that if you are a victim of sexual abuse from any one of these states where they have these look back windows. So the article that I've read to you from is all about this new wave of sexual abuse lawsuits that could hit the Catholic Church, and a lot of people in the Catholic Church are saying this is exactly what we feared would happen. It is this crisis where the church is going to go bankrupt, and there are going to be thousands of new cases, and they're anticipating maybe more than $4 billion in payouts by the Catholic Church. And the church has had people lobbying against these laws because they didn't want to be in the situation where they are now, where people suddenly have time to file a lawsuit to seek justice, even if the abuse they experienced was a long time ago. Now, for obvious reasons, the church is not super excited, and that's the Catholic Church, and I would say, I would venture to say the Protestant Church as well. The Catholic Church makes more news headlines, but we have in the Protestant Church probably a sexual abuse crisis that is just as big, if not bigger, than the sex abuse crisis in the Catholic Church. So whichever church leadership it is, you can bet they're not super thrilled about the fact that survivors have more time to sue. But this is such a step forward for survivors, and I'm so encouraged by the states that have stepped up and changed these laws. And we've even had some chats with people here on Survivor Sanctuary who have been a part of changing that legislation. It's pretty cool to be a part of something that's going to help so many people. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today, why I think these look-back windows are so important and what it means for survivors that they are going to have an extended opportunity to seek justice for the things that they've gone through. I mentioned already one of the main reasons that I think that the statute of limitations need to be lifted in all 50 states, 
and that these states should probably also have look back windows. It's that most people don't realize until decades after their abuse, the effect that the sexual abuse has had on them. If we did realize it early, and this is sad, if we realized it earlier, then the effects of abuse on us, on our psyche, on us physically, emotionally, mentally, all of that, spiritually as well, would likely be less. The level of healing a person will experience after they're sexually abused and the level of hardship they'll endure is directly tied to the amount of support that they have in the aftermath of the sexual abuse. So if it is discovered right away or if it's reported right away and there are loving and tender people who are rallying around and supporting the victim and seeking justice for them and seeking to help them heal, those victims are going to experience a greater level of healing and probably going to have fewer issues to deal with relating to the abuse. The problem is we don't know until decades usually after we were abused that this abuse is going to have such a profound effect on us. Now, when you're abused, obviously you know something bad has happened. Obviously it makes you feel terrible you probably wish that it had never happened and you have all these negative feelings associated with. There's a lot going on. It's super complex. But we don't tend to put the two and two together that sexual abuse has affected your life so much until decades later. So when the statute of limitations expires, when a person is 18 or 21 or 25 or even 30, there are still years left before a person is probably truly going to understand exactly what it was that happened and why they're deserving of justice. So these look back windows are really important because the vast majority of sexual abuse cases are not gonna be reported until after the statute of limitations is up. That's just the reality that we're dealing with when it comes to sexual abuse. We can talk about why it takes so long to report and that will probably be in another podcast episode, but it's just the reality whether we sit down and hash out the exact details why, survivors typically do not tell until decades after the abuse occurred. I believe the average age of reporting is uh, around 53 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So those are the pretty obvious reasons that the statute of limitations laws need to be lifted, not only in these 15 states, but in all 50 states. And I would love for a lot of these states to go even further than they have and raise the statute of limitations even more. Another reason it's really important for survivors that these laws are changing is that we get a chance at justice. If you have been abused and you were part of maybe a cover-up, you were mistreated after you were abused, people didn't believe you, or they tried to just cover up, which happens to a lot of people. Uh, They encourage the victim to just forgive the abuser and move on. In many cases, the church leadership won't report to the police, even if they're legally obligated to do so. There's so much involved. And when a victim goes through something like that, they don't receive justice for what's happened to them. But these new laws are helping to change that And they're going to help those who have suffered to be able to receive justice. Now, you'll hear a lot of people accuse survivors of sexual abuse who sue of being money hungry or they're just out to get a paycheck. They just want their payday and it's all about money. But that's just not the case. You know, I work uh, for attorneys, one of the things that I do, and we deal with a lot of like products, liability, premises, liability cases where people get hurt and then they sue a company. We actually um, defend those companies that get sued. 
And occasionally there are people who lose loved ones in various kinds of accidents and will have to defend the companies that they're suing. And it doesn't matter how much money a plaintiff is potentially going to get. All these people want is for life to go back to the way it was before this accident, to go back to the way it was before this person lost their life. You know, someone may say, great, you know, give me millions of dollars to settle this case. It's not going to bring my loved one back. And while it's not an exact comparison, I think we have a lot of the same feelings as survivors of sexual abuse. We can't get our innocence back. We can't get our lives back the way that they were before we were abused. We can never know what it would be like to be a person who was not abused, to become an adult who was never abused, to have a healthier brain, a healthier mind and body, be healthier spiritually. Whatever the struggles a person who was sexually abused faces, they can never go back to what it was like before the abuse occurred. Money isn't going to change that, but what it is going to do is help survivors to be able to function in life, help survivors to be able to pay for therapy. Like that's a huge thing. Therapy is expensive and it's also very helpful for the healing process. I am lucky that I was able to do several years of therapy, but honestly, I probably should have gone to a lot more. I probably still need to do some, but the expense gets to be so much. And if you don't have really great insurance or you're struggling to make ends meet or you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's going to be hard. And when victims are able to sue the organizations that allowed the abuse to happen under their watch or that tried to cover it up, they're going to have the resources to be able to put into becoming whole again. And I think that that's really important. Abuse survivors don't want to get rich. They just want to be able to lead relatively normal lives. Now, I've gotten pretty raw here on the podcast a couple of times and talking about some of the things that I've struggled with as a result of sexual abuse. And I mean, other survivors could give many, many examples, and we hear them here on the podcast and in other places all the time. There are so many effects to sexual abuse, but something I've been dealing with here in the last several months, I think it started to hit me that I've got a big birthday coming up and I'm just going to be real. I will be 40 years old in February and that is both terrifying and well, okay, it's all terrifying. And as I started to approach this birthday, I have started to think about a lot of the things in life that I expected to have by the time that I was that age. You know, you kind of just have this timeline that rolls around in your head. You kind of just assume things. And from the time I was a small girl, one of the things that I assumed was that I would be married and I would be having a family definitely long before I turned 40 years old. And I was interviewed recently for a radio show about sexual abuse, and I was asked a question about some of the unfair struggles that survivors have. And one of those things was issues with relationships. So that's a huge one for me. You know, no amount of money in the world, not that there's anyone I can sue because there's definitely not, but no amount of money in the entire world would make up for the fact that I have struggled to maintain relationships for my entire life. No amount of money will make up for the fact that my womb is now geriatric and I've never had a child. And I may, like, that's just something that's been in the forefront of my mind. I may never get to experience 
what it's like to go through a pregnancy, to have a baby of my own. Like, you know, and that's not to lament this right now. It's something that I just have been thinking about as this big birthday approaches. These things cross your mind. And I believe 100%, and I said this in the interview that I just mentioned um, that was on the radio, I truly believe if I had never been sexually abused when I was six years old, that I probably would be married now. I probably would have kids now. And this isn't a woe is me and feel sorry for Kelly type of things. I'm not, I'm not even feeling sorry for myself right now. I'm literally just stating what I believe is a fact. I know that we can't rewrite the past. We can't honestly figure out exactly what would happen if we went back and changed things. But I'm just confident of that. I believe that the reason that I am approaching 40 and that I'm single and I've never had a kid is because I was sexually abused when I was six years old. And all of the emotional and mental and physical issues, spiritual issues that have gone with that. And even if I had been abused in the richest church in the world and I could file a lawsuit for millions and millions of dollars, it wouldn't change the fact that something's been taken from me that I can't get back. And that is what sexual abuse survivors live with every single day. And I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to make it sound as though there's no hope because we know that there is, but it's also just the reality. We live with the effects of abuse a lot of times for the rest of our lives. Every person deals with a different level of suffering related to the abuse. Not everyone's experience is exactly the same, but we all have those effects that are going to be with us. It's just the reality. And so as we're dealing with those things and as we're trying to become healthy, healed people, these look back windows are going to allow many survivors the resources to be able to do that well. And I think that it's sad, it's frustrating, it's dumbfounding, really. I don't know enough adjectives to describe what it is. But in most cases, I would venture to say, I was going to say in many cases, but I think that I can confidently say in most cases, a lawsuit is the only way to get churches to deal with the abuse that's happened within their walls or that has been perpetrated by their leaders and members. Money talks. It just does. And in the past, churches, whether they were Catholic or Protestant, were able to hush victims, to enable perpetrators, and to minimize the damage to their institution. And it was all done at the expense of victims. Victims who were not only sexually abused, but abused doubly by the people who tried to go back and cover it up, or the people who turned a blind eye, didn't want to listen, shuffled priests or pastors from church to church, kept everything hush-hush. It's still happening to this day. But in the past, well before these laws were changed, that extended the statute of limitations, it was not difficult for these institutions to cover up the wickedness that was happening. Churches literally didn't deal with abuse at all, Or they dealt with it by strong-arming victims into silence and covering up for child molesters. They hid the evil that they were simultaneously enabling. They nurtured it in silence with cover-ups, turning blind eyes to the problem. And even though you would think as a church that is supposed to be the body of Christ, that is supposed to have his mercy and compassion and grace, you would think they had a good reason not to do those things, but apparently... They didn't have any good reason not to, but suddenly now that there's a very real threat to the money that funds these churches, pastors and leaders are being forced to deal with the problem. 
And that might be the single most important reason for extending the statute of limitations. Money talks. And when church leaders begin to realize these things can't be covered up anymore, that they can be sued, that their church could end up in serious financial trouble, they're being forced to focus more on how to prevent abuse, how to train staff and volunteers to keep kids safe, and how to respond well when an allegation of abuse arises. So in the past, it was just like, all right, let's keep this hush-hush. Let's sweep it under the carpet. Let's just forgive your abuser and move on. Don't talk about this to anyone because that would be gossip. Let's shuffle the wayward youth pastor to another church and let this not be spoken of again. Like we could do that in the past, but now churches are being forced to actually deal with the problem, not just in responding to it, but in preventing it as well. A decade ago, or even like four years ago, that was not on any church's radar. It just wasn't. Churches may have had some training on how to keep kids safe, but nothing to the level that churches and Christian institutions are having to provide to their volunteers and employees now. Why? Because there are consequences. And now that these laws are changing, there is the possibility for more consequences when a church doesn't do the right thing, when a church enables a predator, when a church turns a blind eye to the abuse that's happening within its walls. There has to be a consequence. Without it, the church is not going to change. They're not going to. I, I don't get it because I feel like as the church, it should be number one priority to protect the sheep. But it doesn't seem like churches will ever seek to protect the vulnerable as long as the odds are in their favor. And for years, the odds have been in the church's favor. The odds that the statute of limitations will expire before a victim reports that they were sexually abused. That's it. And now that states are beginning to extend statute of limitations and look back windows and are signing laws that are pro-survivor, you're taking that unfair advantage away from churches. You're forcing churches to be accountable and to care what happens to the kids in their charge. They shouldn't have to be forced, honestly. And they shouldn't have to just care for the kids that are in their charge because they're scared they're going to lose money or that their insurance company is going to drop them. They shouldn't have to be forced, but the really sad reality is most churches are not going to change if their money is never threatened. They're just not going to. So these laws and statutes that are changing, I believe, are not only going to help survivors to find justice now, but they're going to help, I think, protect children from being abused in the future. And one of the reasons is because now that the church has something to lose, before they only had survivors to lose, like that was it. Before, before the law started changing, before Me Too was a thing, before Church Too was a thing, when a sex abuse scandal broke in a church, the victim of that abuse tended to be the only thing the church had to lose. And guess what? They were real happy to lose them, to lose them in favor of supporting perpetrators, of keeping everything appearing as though it was fine and dandy, to keep bottoms in the pews, and to keep money in the offering plate. The only thing the church had to lose was victims, and they lost them. They lost victims, and now those same victims are rising up and they're saying, this was unjust. It continues to be unjust, and it's going to continue to be unjust until the church is forced to change. And these lawsuits, I think, are literally the only thing that are going to force churches to change. As a whole, there are individuals who might care deeply for the vulnerable. There are individuals who are sickened by abuse. But the institutional church has historically sacrificed victims 
to maintain their status quo. They've got a lot more to lose now. And I wish, I wish, you know, I look at scripture. I look at the the kind of man that Jesus was. I look at uh, the things that we know of the character and the attributes of God. And then I look at how so many churches treat victims of abuse. And it just, it makes my stomach turn. It makes my stomach turn that God's word or his heart of compassion or his foundation of righteousness and justice is not enough to incite change in churches. It takes the government. It takes laws changing, statutes of limitations being extended, and survivors coming forward to seek justice. I really think that this is the way that we're going to see change come to churches. So I want to encourage you, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, if you were abused within the church, um, and I don't even think it has to be the church. The statute of limitations is not just for uh, those who are abused in the church. It's for anyone. If you were abused and you're in one of the states where there's a look back window, I would encourage you to, to just look into it. You know, you're not under any obligation. I just wanted to share in case you weren't aware of some of those look back windows where you could have the opportunity to seek justice that may not have been available to you in the past. And if you're in a country or a state that doesn't have these new laws and you really don't have any recourse, well, let me tell you, I am 100% with you on that. I totally understand it. Sometimes there doesn't seem to be any justice, but I personally believe that there will be someday for all of us. And it's not always easy to accept, but we keep moving. We keep putting one foot in front of the other. We keep moving toward the healing that we deserve and the healing that I believe is available to us. So if you have any questions about these statutes, and I'm laughing here because I am not obviously a super technical person when it comes to explaining the law, Um, just kind of giving you an overview conversationally, but you can find uh, a lot of attorneys and organizations that do this for a living, and they know a lot about the law, and they can answer any questions that you might have. And I am going to provide some of those resources in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page so that, hey, if you're looking for an attorney, if you're looking to just find out more about those laws, you can find out more about them there. Well, that's it for us for today. I am off to find some free Wi-Fi somewhere so I can upload this podcast so that people will actually be able to listen to it. That'll be amazing. Uh, In the meantime, if you have a second, join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page, our group, and you can post there any questions that you have for me. Uh, Talk a little bit more about these look back laws and the statute of limitations in your state. I'd love to keep the conversation going there. Well, I will catch you back here next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.